with this woman that's described here, I think there's multiple ways you could interpret that symbol and they're all valid, right? This is one of the things that uh, I've, I've tried to show as we've gone through this, that the way symbols work is many times there's not just one correct interpretation, but uh, it can mean more than one thing. That's why symbols are not codes, right? So, uh, but this talk of a woman giving birth to a male child, uh, probably I think the most obvious uh, idea that comes to mind is Mary and the birth of Jesus, right? Uh, and so this is where I always want to make the case that your nativity scene needs to have a dragon in it, uh, because the dragon's there trying to devour the, the baby. Um, and, and so again, she, she literally does this, and, and yet, uh, you can read the gospel stories, uh, Jesus' birth was not celebrated by everybody, right? You have King Herod, who uh, is, is killing all the male children that are around the same age, so in an attempt to, um, you know, protect his power, right? And so this uh, talk of the dragon doing these things when the child is born, that could be an allusion to that, uh, massacring the, the infants. Um, or it could, you know, as he's trying to devour, it could be the, the crucifixion, right? Well, that's where Satan thinks he's defeated the, 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 the ruler, uh, the child, but the child is snatched away, right? That could be like the resurrection or the ascension. Um, and then uh, this idea that shows up in verse five, I think we've seen it before. It talks about how uh, this child is to, to, you can either read it as to rule the nations or to shepherd the nations. Um, that's a reference to Psalm two, which was a messianic Psalm. It was very well known. Um, and and uh, as people were waiting for Jesus, or for, waiting for the Messiah, uh, this is the place they would look to. And so uh, this is something they would relate as they're talking about Christ. So uh, the woman could represent Mary. It could also represent uh, Israel, all right? This crown with, with 12 stars in it, I think. Yeah, uh, 12 is, again, a number often associated with Israel. Uh, the Messiah comes from Israel, right? So this image of the woman giving birth. So um, the, the Messiah comes through is Israel, and his purpose is to be a light to the nations, right? So it's got the sun and the moon and all these things. But... Evil forces are working, were working against Israel from inside and without. And you can see, I mean, the Old Testament is a story of how they struggled to, um, you know, do what they're meant to do and um, that not always going well. And then a final way we can understand this image of, of the woman is the church. Um, and again, it's, it's mixing metaphors a little bit, but the church is considered the bride of Christ. And later in verse 17, he'll talk about the rest of her children, which seems like a pretty clear reference to, uh, to Christians. And again, uh, we know the situation that John is, is writing into is that the church is persecuted uh, and the source. So here is, you know, Revelation is pulling back the curtain. Uh, it's revealing here's actually what's going on and what is actually doing all this to you. It's not just the Roman Empire or a, a few, you know, bad, bad leaders. Um, there's, a, there's a deeper power at work. Um, and so this idea of, of the woman being taken into the wilderness, uh, it's a place of, of separation, but also a place of protection. We'll, we'll come back to that image in a little bit. Um, it's, it's, the wilderness is a common theme, right? We preached on it a lot last year as we were going through our own sort of wilderness and exile. Um, and other commentators have seen that uh, there's also some probably allusions or 
similarities to uh, some myths that uh, in the Greco-Roman world they would have known about, like the birth of Apollo and Apollo fighting Python. It's not as relevant to us, but it, it's in some ways it's kind of picking up images that especially the um, uh, Gentile Christians would be like, oh, that sounds like this, but it's telling in a different way. Like we said, the, the Messiah defeats the dragon through self-sacrifice. This is, is a common um, message of this book. And so it, that's why I prefer the reading in verse five of um, the lamb shepherds the nations rather than just ruling over them in a, in a dominant way. Um, so John is using the, the sheep reading instead of the lion reading, right? Jesus is more to be identified as the lamb and not, not the lion. And then uh, John is very clear though, and um, that this dragon is Satan, right? He's gonna say that in verse nine. And so, like I said, we're seeing uh, that he's trying to reveal to them, there's a deeper power at work uh, in, in this persecution you're facing than just uh, what you see. Um, why is it important for us to have uh, a, a spiritual source in mind uh, for the evil that goes on in the world? What happens if, if we completely lose any, any deeper um, sense of evil working? Slow, could you ask that question again? Yeah, sorry. So if we have no concept of um, you know, spiritual powers, uh, dark forces that are working against us, um, how does that affect the way that we look at the evil that we suffer, right? If it's just, it's just bad people doing bad things. Uh, I think we have a tendency to point the finger at those people and you start asking, well, we gotta do something about those people. Right. If 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 people cause all the problems, well, then the solution is to get rid of those people. Yeah, uh, those people. Which, right. You gotta, yeah, exactly. Hey. It's all the ones that we determined have caused the problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so and uh, I'm picking this up from some other things I've read. But yeah, it's basically the idea that if, if you don't have some idea of uh, demonic forces, you end up demonizing people. Right. And, and there they be people become ultimate evil. And, uh, and again, we could spend a lot of time talking about how you understand uh, those demonic forces. And, and we'll get into that some here as we're looking more at the dragon, at Satan. Um, but it's important we have some concept of evil being more than just those people, right? Um, and, and again, that goes to you know, the famous Ephesians 6 passage. Our battle is not just against flesh and blood. Uh, because if we think that's all it is, then that, that goes really poorly too. So we're seeing that even the people that are doing terrible things, it doesn't excuse what they do, but it is helping us to acknowledge, well, it's like Jesus prays, right? They know not what they do, right? They're, we're all influenced by, by these things. Uh, I, I also often go to the image that Paul uses in Ephesians 2 of calling it in the power in the air, right? It's just kind of, it's in the air, we breathe it in. Uh, so we're often not even aware of uh, these ideas that are getting into our heads. And so being able to name that as something bigger than just those people or that group uh, helps us to see that everybody in some sense is a victim, even if they, you know, again, that doesn't excuse them or take away responsibility, uh, but it's bigger than just that one person. 
I just sorry, just a quick jump on that, Chris. I think it's it's kind of important to to call that out because without that, it can be easy to also say, well, if it's just humans, then humans can fix it, right? And well, yeah. where does God come in? Mm-hmm. And I think we've clearly seen humans can't fix it. So it's it's bigger than us too. Yeah, what well, ends up uh, we see this through history, right? Well, we if we take out those people, then we'll solve the problems. Then we'll be on top. And then what happens when those people who were on the bottom get on top? Well, they end up doing the same sort of oppressive things. So another group comes in and they take their place. And right, that's the cycle of history. I think Revelation is actually pointing to that cycle is when humanity doesn't recognize the, the spiritual forces at work of evil and of good, like you're saying, um, we can't break out of that cycle. And, and I think Jesus, especially in his self-sacrifice, that's a different model. Uh, that breaks us out of that cycle. It's the only thing that can truly defeat evil because it doesn't play evil's game. Uh, And so uh, Satan here is described, the dragon, he has, uh, verse three, he's giant, he's red, he has seven heads, 10 horns, uh, seven diadems or crowns. Um, It's, I don't know, what do you hear? What do you think it's trying to say about uh, Satan in, in that description there? What do you think some of those things might symbolize? Right, crowns are often a, sim- a symbol of authority. Um, and so he's got uh, seven of them, which, which you could read that to say, well, he has complete authority. Um, but I think there's a deeper question that we can say, well, does the dragon really have all the authority and all the power that he claims to? It may seem like this dragon is uh, overpowering um, but we're going to see that that is not fully true. Um, but he does definitely have power. Horns are also a symbol of, of power. Um, but we don't have to believe that you know the devil is fully in charge of, of everything. Um, I don't think Revelation believes that either. Uh, but it's showing there is there's a lot of power there. All right, well, let's uh, get into this a little more. Keep going with what uh, is happening between uh, this this battle with the dragon in verse starting in verse seven. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but they were defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. The great dragon was thrown down, that, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven proclaiming, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. The accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. But they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they did not cling to life, even in the face of death. Rejoice then, you heavens, uh, and those who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you with great wrath, because he knows his time is short. Uh, so this is one of uh, another place where we need to, I think, resist the urge to nail down a time frame of, of when did this specific event happen or, or where did this exactly happen? And, and Morrissey is what it's trying to say about the nature of, of these powers. Um, you know, uh, overall, Revelation is not about when things happen. It's not a book about prediction. It's about revealing, right? It's revealing what's, what's really going on and what is God really doing? Uh, why are we in the situation that we're in, right, for them, and, and in some sense, also for us, and, and so here, John is very uh, clearly just connecting this dragon to the serpent of uh, Genesis 3, 
uh, to uh, the devil, to Satan. Um, and so again, uh, another image for the woman could connect with Eve, right? So we're seeing all, we should have all these things in mind instead of trying to pick the right one. Um, and he also talks about um, Satan as the accuser. Uh, that's, that's actually what uh, that word Satan means, adversary or accuser, uh, which uh, probably seems like a reference to in the story of Job, right? Where Job is, that's what he does. He just accuses. Um, and so uh, what happens is he's thrown down. Right? It's this idea of him being defeated in a sense uh, and losing some of his power. And, and we see that happens through, again, it's through the lamb. Um, the, it's Jesus' incarnation, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. All of those are what is, is defeating the dragon. Um, and this is a place where you know, we could take a lot of time. And if, if we can talk about this at, at the end, if we want to take kind of a little uh side trip to look at you know how satan is talked about through scripture and how different ideas develop there um but you know again this is actually pretty clearly what we see in the new testament this idea that it's through jesus that um satan is being defeated it's an ongoing thing uh one of the verses that uh, tends to get just kind of taken out of context and reference to this is in luke chapter 10 verse 18 where jesus has has sent uh, his disciples out and they're proclaiming the kingdom of God and they come back and tell them all the things they're doing. And, and Jesus says, um, really, a, the better translation is, I am seeing Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. Right? Uh, and we tend to just think of that as like, oh, so there was some point when he was a good angel and he became a bad angel. I, I don't think there's really that much evidence in scripture towards that. It's more the idea that through uh, the, the spreading of the gospel, uh, Satan is losing power. Right? Heaven, uh, it can mean a lot of different things in the, the, the Jewish mindset in the ancient world. It, it means the skies or the place where God lives or kind of both. Uh, usually it's plural, like the heavens. Um, and so it's not necessarily saying that Satan was in heaven and got kicked out. It's, it's again, this idea of him being in the air uh, and then losing some of that power and authority. And in a similar way, Jesus in Mark 3 talks about being the strong man who comes um, and or he comes and he ties up the strong man because Jesus is stronger and taking his stuff back. The idea of uh, through Jesus ministry, he's reclaiming uh, humanity and the earth uh, from these other powers. And so it's through him that the kingdom comes. Uh, Jesus is the one who has true authority. Whatever authority the dragon may claim to have, whatever power he does have, uh, Christ is more powerful. And, and we see that as an ongoing thing. But it's, it's, it's pointed this question of why is there so much wrong and evil happening on the earth? Well, it's because the devil's down here, right? And he's angry at uh, the defeat that he's experiencing through Christ, right? Um, in verse 12. Uh, he's come down in great wrath and he knows his time is short, right? He was dealt this decisive blow and uh, in the cross and the resurrection. And yet his, his full defeat is, is still waiting. So it's like, he knows he's losing, but he's not going to go down without a fight. Um, and so how do we as followers of the lamb uh, conquer him? It's by doing the same thing. Verse 11, we conquer by the blood of the lamb. Um, by the word of our testimony and not clinging to life even in the face of death and so 
by his blood, I think means by imitating Christ and his uh, loving self-sacrifice and by our word, right? Not by fighting physically, you know, with, with the world's weapons against the powers of the world, but with uh, the word of our witness. Uh, that is what uh, continues to work in this ongoing conquering of, of the forces of evil. Um, but, you know, sometimes it doesn't feel like that works out too well or it doesn't seem like that's doing much, right? It's, it's so easy to give into the temptation to think, well, if we're gonna defeat evil, you know, it's gotta be any means necessary. You know, so I don't know, why, why do we think that's so hard? Why, why is it hard to engage against um, injustice and evil and, and all these things in a way that doesn't um, just use the, the methods of, of violence and evil? That we're working against. Why does that not work? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's kind of what we've been talking about, right, through all these sermons on the cross, right? That this is the way, the only way that really works. But it's so hard to believe. Uh, up to his death, the disciples really didn't understand it, and. Um, we're maybe a little bit better after 2,000 years, but maybe not. I don't know. Well, Diabolus, so you know, Diabolus, which is devil, means dece deceiver. And so we've been deceived. You know, we think that his way is the best way from, it seems to me. I mean, that we just, we bought into it. And, and so as we play God, we think that the best way to do that is get rid of the people that aren't for us. And, 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 you know, so it just keeps the cycle going. I think, like you said, maybe we're getting better. Maybe that's a big word. <laughs> I don't know. Some days I think so. Some days I think we're, we're worse. Yeah. Um, well, we're just deceived. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. I'm just, I believe it. I believe sometimes it's, it's better to just wipe people out, you know, better or for those better. people. Right. Yeah. I, I find myself thinking that even as I'm preparing lessons on this, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's the, the temptations always yeah. there, and and as I've talked about before, I think that was one of the temptations that Jesus faced in the wilderness. Is yeah. you know, if you just worship me, if you just do things my way, then you'll get all this power, right? And yeah. it's true in the short term. Sometimes that can work out, but it doesn't lead to the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think it's it's just in a very different way. It's the same message that John is trying to present here, uh, or what like what Paul says in Romans twelve. Don't overcome evil with evil, overcome evil with good. And that's what we're called to do as followers of the Lamb. All right, so uh, getting into the last part of, of chapter 12 here, picking up in verse 13. So when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued or, or persecuted the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given two, the two wings of the great eagle so that she could fly from the serpent into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half a time. Then from his mouth, the servant, serpent poured water like a river after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman. It opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from its mouth. Then the dragon was angry with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her children, those who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. Uh, so, again, looking at the, the forest rather than the trees, this is just another image of um, evil, uh, Satan trying to destroy the faithful witnesses to Christ. Uh, it, it was very clear in the first century, and, and we can still see 
uh, ways that that is, is happening today, uh, even if it happens in a different way. Uh, the same power is still at work. Um, one of the things we hear in this section are some Exodus references. Um, right? the, the Exodus is always very much in the, the mind of, of the Jewish people. The Passover, which they're celebrating right now, is, is their central picture image of, of how God saves uh, people from, uh, from the powers of evil. Um, and so uh, actually in the book of Ezekiel, it picks up on this and it describes Pharaoh as a, a water dragon. All right, so that's that's probably uh, connected to this image here of the dragon, you know, sending the flood from its mouth, uh, pouring this water out. Uh, or there's uh, a verse from Exodus 19 where God says, "You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself." All right, so verse 14, the, the woman represents uh, perhaps the church. She's given those wings too. So it's God doing the similar sort of thing. And and then again, you get this image of the wilderness which we saw a little bit earlier. And again, if you know the, the Exodus story, the wilderness, there's a good side to it and a bad side to it, right? It's a place of, of scarcity. There's not much and, and it could lead to people complaining uh, that they're gonna die because they have no food, but it's also a place of God providing, right? They didn't have anything else. So all they could do is rely on God. And um, you know the, in that sense, the wilderness is a good thing. And sometimes we need a little more wilderness um, otherwise, what happens? We end up just relying on ourselves. Uh, and then that same sort of idea is picked up in, in the prophets in Hosea chapter two. It's, uh, I love this image of God talking about the wilderness was like a honeymoon between God and Israel, right? That they were just starting their, their relationship together. And that's when we were really close. And, you know, they obviously had some, some fights, but <laughs> they were relying, got, Israel's reliant on God in a, in a unique way, and um, that's important. And also this idea of uh, the escaping the waters could uh, kind of also allude to the parting of the Red Sea. And uh, again, in the, in the Hebrew mind, especially water represents chaos, right? You go to the very beginning, Genesis 1, it's uh, this formless, watery void. Um, and so the, the dragon sending water out is can refer to this, he's unleashing chaos. And yet, um, we're still protected. Uh, Satan can make things difficult, but he can't ultimately defeat us, and God is for us. And um, the earth somehow is, I'm not totally sure what it means by that, where it says the earth swallows up this, this river, but um, I think mostly it's this idea, especially in their time, as many of them are facing persecution, that Yes, this dragon is powerful. The evil is real, and it, it is causing all these these issues. And yet, it's not the ultimate power. Right? There are greater forces at work. Um, God is for us, and, and God is greater. But you know, falling lamb does sometimes feel like we're in the middle of a war. Um, I don't know what what does that look like in our time. Right? We're not facing the uh, bloody persecution of the Roman Empire, as, as early Christians did at, at certain points, but in what sense are we still fighting this, this battle that's, that's not, against flesh, not against flesh and blood, and yet it manifests in flesh and blood people? Um, you know, as we read all of this, what does it say to you about how we uh, resist um, the power of evil? What kind of hope does it give us?
Robbie, I was, I was, us here, we're not necessarily facing physical persecution, but around the world, there is still a lot. A lot of the Christians who are facing actual physical persecution. Uh, I, I think whether it's, you know, threats to our physical life or whether it's just the, the you know, the pressures to live according to the world instead of according to Christ, uh, I think the, the encouragement here is Jesus said, you know, you want to save your life, you got to give it up. And we're seeing this here in what was a verse 11, right? They didn't love their life all the way to, to, to death. And yet those are the ones that are going to be reigning with Christ. So I think the, the encouragement for us is just keep going. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's going to come good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just don't give up. Right. That's uh, so often that's the message. And, you know, when, when it is more mundane, right, it's more mundane sorts of evil that we face today. It's almost easier to just give into that because it doesn't seem like it's a big deal. And so part of what the revelation does here is it's name, excuse me, naming that, you know, this is, this is a bigger deal than what it might seem like, you know, when we have these little temptations to just say a certain thing or indulge in a, a certain vice that uh, that's, that's on a working on a grander scale than what we might see. Bonnie? In Psalm 12, the last verse eight, mm -hmm. it says, the wicked freely strut about when what is vile is honored among men. And mm -hmm. I feel that I live in a culture that is becoming more and more honoring what is vile on, in, in all forms of communication, television, movies, magazines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so being able to, to recognize what's what's being honored by the world, uh, what what does the world value, and and where have we sometimes believed some of that, right? As, as Gary mentioned, the serpent is deceptive, it's a deceiver, right? And so, um, and sometimes it's very obvious, and sometimes it's very subtle. Our children are being bombarded by it. Yeah, there's just a lot more images out there today than even in my childhood you know um and so yeah we just i think this you know the, the idea of revelation as it's again like i said pulling back the curtain it's an apocalypse is about revealing what's really going on can we see what's really going on and and some like i said sometimes it's very obvious with the violence or uh sex and these sort of things that we see in in all sorts of media or in the news uh but yeah when is it more subtle right when um, can we always name when uh, the values that really have nothing to do with with Christ are um, are present there? You know, and, and um, yeah, it, it's, but being aware of it, right? Um, even that, you know, knowing when to not watch or just be able to say, hey, you know, I think this is what that was actually saying, and be able to just name it. I think that's sometimes the most important thing. All right. Well. Uh, We'll uh, pick up in chapter 13 uh, a week from Sunday. Um, I, I think one of the things I'll do also is, is we're going to have a bit of a recap because we may have some people that um, are joining us on Sunday mornings that haven't been here every, every Wednesday night. Um, so we'll kind of get caught up to speed. Um, and yeah, if, if we want to talk more about the, the nature of, of Satan, uh, let me know if we want to get into that. That could be something we do at another time um, or we can... Working to work that in here more. Again, you know, 
with Revelation, again, it's not always saying like, here's where everything comes from and here's the sources of it. It's just kind of saying, this is what is happening, right? And, and why, where it comes from is not always as clear. It, it just kind of is, right? So Revelation doesn't necessarily give us an answer to the, the problem of evil, of, of why evil exists. It's just acknowledging that it does and being able to name it for what it is. Um, because that's actually more important that we can can name it so that we can uh, stand firm and, and be faithful witnesses in the face of it. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. <laughs>